Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Is the U.S.-Taliban deal really dead? Did the U.S. President Trump actually plan to invite Taliban terrorists to Camp David, the official retreat of the President of the United States? Is the Afghan government happy that the deal is now more or less cancelled? Will the U.S. government continue to send feelers to the Taliban? What will the Taliban's reaction to all this be? More importantly, should India be happy with the developments? Hello and welcome to episode 21 of India Rising Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohal and Kishore, a show in which we analyze the happenings from around the world and their impact on India. This week, U.S. President Donald Trump announced through Twitter that peace talks with Taliban were off and that he was still looking about a troop drawdown from Afghanistan. So uh, what happened is that uh, there was a car bomb explosion on September 5th that killed a U.S. service member and 10 civilians near the U.S. embassy in Kabul. Uh, as per some reports, the American service member was the fourth one killed in the past two weeks in Afghanistan. I mean, two days later, on September 7th, uh, U.S. President Donald Trump tweeted that unbeknownst to almost everyone, the major Taliban leaders and separately the president of Afghanistan were going to secretly meet with me at Camp David on Sunday. They were coming to the United States tonight. Unfortunately, in order to build false leverage, they admitted to an attack in Kabul that killed one of our great soldiers and 11 other people. I immediately canceled the meeting and called off the peace negotiations, end quote. So now this caused the collapse of the Afghan deal that was being uh, negotiated uh, quietly in Doha, Qatar, between the U.S. and the Taliban. On the Monday thereafter, uh, President Trump further said that the talks with Taliban are dead. As far as I am concerned, they are dead. Uh, we have hit the Taliban harder in the last four days than we have hit them over 10 years. So that's the way it is. Um, and End quote. And as for the withdrawing of the 14,000 U.S. troops, which are currently stationed in Afghanistan, he said that, uh, and I quote, we like to get out, but we'll get out at the right time, end quote. Now, Camp David, which is usually reserved for high-profile heads of state, uh, is, uh, and here uh, Trump had invited Taliban, that too on the eve of the September 11th attacks, uh, pl the planning for which had originated inside Afghanistan now was deemed as inappropriate by many observers. Yeah, I think Camp David uh, announcement by uh, Donald Trump was actually the uh, the thing that uh, irritated most people. 
uh, especially because of the fact that you mentioned that uh, it was planned inside Afghanistan uh, by uh, Al-Qaeda, but with the active support of Taliban. Anyway, so uh, with regards to the peace deal, uh, remember that uh, the U.S. troops have been present in Afghanistan for almost uh, 18 years. And uh, U.S. President Donald Trump wanted the U.S. to withdraw from Afghanistan. It was one of his major poll promises. He needed an exit uh, strategy where he wanted a structured withdrawal plus guarantees from Taliban to not harbor terrorists like Al-Qaeda who could attack the U.S. like they did on 9-11. The negotiations on the U.S. side were led by Afghan-American diplomat Salmai Khalilhad, who actually conducted nine rounds of discussions with the Taliban in Qatar, with representatives from the Taliban, who actually had managed to open up an office in, uh, in Doha, in Qatar. Now, as far as the, uh, the deal was concerned, once the deal was signed, the U.S. was to withdraw about 5,400 troops, from its five bases in Afghanistan within 135 days, bringing down the total strength of the troops there from 14,000 to around about 8,600. During this time frame, Taliban pledged to not attack US service members during the withdrawal. Also, in exchange for the US drawdown, the Taliban would promise to not allow any terror groups uh, use Afghani soil under their control to plot operations against the United States or its allies. There were some promises on an intra-Afghan dialogue to be held within the uh, to be held with the civilian government in Oslo, Norway, for some sort of final political settlement. So now the uh, question was there that was it a good deal which was being negotiated between the two sides. So now Trump uh, during his uh, election campaign in 2016 and even later on uh, had promised to get out of Afghanistan uh, by a certain in general. Now there wasn't a certain date he had promised but with the impending re-election uh, in next November 2020, he wanted to get the troops home before the uh, voters go to the polls next November. Now, Zalmay Khalilzad, uh, I mean, has been accused of giving away way too many concessions to the Taliban without any firm guarantees in return. Uh, Shushan Sarin, like senior fellow at Observer Research Foundation, in his recent piece pointed out that like Khalilzad had embraced the view as far as back as 1996 when he advocated US engagement with the Taliban regime, notwithstanding its atrocities and deep linkages with Al-Qaeda. The veteran diplomat had even accepted the Taliban's false assertion that Osama bin Laden had left Afghanistan at face value, uh, end quote. Now, some have called this deal front-loaded in favor of Taliban where they can get what they want in a U.S. withdrawal and then proceed to easily renege on their end of the deal. The deal did have many other worrying points like not requiring Taliban to express regret for their past association with uh, terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda, calling 
the democratically elected civilian government under current president ashraf ghani as a puppet government and not allowing them to participate in these uh, failed negotiations uh, they had also made some vague guarantees to an intra afghan dialogue between the civilian government and themselves uh, at a later stage like post the withdrawal when if they were in a dominant position they could dictate terms to the to the former now the taliban reportedly wanted the deal to be first announced in doha while trump would have instead like to be announced in camp david which is where past us presidents have announced major pay, uh, peace deals so once the deal was uh, uh, agreed upon in principle uh, the afghanistan president uh, ashraf ghani was reported to have been shown a copy of the deal between the us and the taliban which he was uh, given an hour to read over but shockingly wasn't allowed to even keep a copy of it for reasons unknown <laughs> yeah so two surprises there one is uh, inviting the taliban to camp david and the most uh, vivid memory of camp david is the uh, is the handshake of uh, the palestinian yasser arafat with the israeli prime minister Uh, which uh, kind of had some amount of uh, peace in uh, in the Middle East uh, all those uh, two three decades ago, but then uh, the other the other shock uh, that you mentioned was how uh, President Ashraf Ghani was not allowed to keep a copy of the uh, of the Taliban U.S. deal. In any way, now uh, what has been the reaction to the uh, to the collapse of the deal? now ever since the details of the deal have been circulated on the media there has been growing opposition to it nine former us ambassadors to afghanistan in an open letter warned against withdrawal from afghanistan under the terms of the flawed deal former critic now friend of president trump republican senator lindsey graham warned trump saying i quote Mr. President, if you don't have a counter-terrorism force left behind, even if you have got to deal with the Taliban, which I doubt, but you might, they don't have the capability or the will to protect the American homeland. Unquote. On top of this, reports emerged that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo had refused to endorse the U.S. negotiator Salmay Khalilzad's draft deal. because of the absence of any guarantees the death of the us soldier would have been the proverbial final straw that broke the camel's back and gave president trump the reason to cancel the deal now remember in 1975 in the then south vietnam the united states forces were hurriedly withdrawing with the last few helicopters flying out of saigon before the north vietnamese uh, advanced on the city even though taliban does not does control large swathes of the country there was no immediate such danger there that uh, there was no impending collapse of the civilian ashraf ghani government that the deal with taliban had to be rushed through after all the afghan national army consists of about 200000 troops which is not an insignificant fighting force yeah so now the coming to the implications of uh, what happened over the past few days now it's 
obvious that like Trump has avoided a bad deal with the Taliban, which was unlikely to bring peace to Afghanistan. Uh, interestingly, in 2013, Hussein Hukani, Pakistan's former ambassador to the United States from 2008 to 11, wrote in an op-ed, and I quote, unlike most states or political groups, the Taliban aren't amenable to a, a, a pragmatic deal. They are a movement with an extreme ideology and will not compromise easily on their deeply held beliefs, end quote. So Taliban now free of any compulsions from adhering to any sort of deal will look to up the ante even with even more deadlier attacks, including attacks on U.S. forces. So the Taliban strategy will be to place greater pressure on the U.S. by attacking U.S. forces uh, before the deal was signed went already as they probably overplayed their hand. Now, uh, Mike Pompeo like even remarked that Taliban had overreached with this uh, deadly attack, with this attack. Now, both the US and Taliban for now are back to square one with this no deal. Now, things will probably heat up significantly in terms of violence uh, between the two sides before there is some kind of cool down for both sides to come to the table to talk again. I mean, this is more of a pause in the negotiations versus an outright cancellation of talks. Uh, I mean, US will re resume contact after a while as they, as everyone knows that they need to exit Afghanistan to end their longest war in modern times. Now, since Trump has professed a desire to get out of Afghanistan, they could be very well the ones to blink first. Taliban since 2001 has stated that they are fully prepared to wait it out no matter how long it takes. I mean, having time on their side is their biggest ally as they know that, US, that the U.S. resolve to stay in Afghanistan will break at some point in the near future. I mean, there have been some reports that uh, that intercepted communications from the Taliban high command reveal that the message uh, is being sent down to the foot soldiers that U.S. Uh, would leave in a le in a year's time as when the deal was signed. Now, Ashraf Ghani, who has been completely sidelined in this series of events, had insisted that this month's presidential election, which was to be held on uh, September 28th, be held on time. Now, he seeks a second term and wants to negotiate with the Taliban on settlement with them on the country's uh, political future. Now, as part of the intra-Afghan dialogue between the current government and Taliban, like talks were reportedly going to be held on September 23rd, which is curiously just five days before the September 28th elections. Mm -hmm. Now, this close proximity of the dialogue would have compromised the election process to an extent because the upcoming elections would just be a temporary phase where where any new structures would have to be negotiated between the two sides before any kind of reconciliation in the future which might even include any changes to the constitution or the political process of uh, how both of them share power in the future also, there have been whispers that the Taliban negotiating team in Doha is not in full sync with the Taliban leadership on the ground, which could possibly explain the reasoning, the reasoning between increasing attacks on the U.S. forces just before the days 
in when the final talks were to conclude the deal. Now this creates an additional headache that any deal, even let's say a diluted one in the future, might not be adhered to by the Taliban on the ground in Afghanistan. Interesting uh, that you say that uh, it raises questions on uh, the Taliban. But on the contrary, it also raises questions on the U.S. Uh, walking out of its own negotiations as well. Uh, after all, the U.S. walked out of the JCPOA. U.S. Uh, is now walking out of its own uh, talks with the Taliban. So uh, questions will be raised as to the commitment uh, shown by the U.S on any kind of negotiations that it uh, wants to have with any party around the world. Anyway, so uh, we now have to look at uh, what has been the uh, reaction from around the world. The UN Secretary General's uh, Special Representative for Afghanistan, Tadamichi Yamamoto, uh, actually briefed the United Nations Security Council on the, on the situation in Afghanistan and uh, said that the direct talks between the Afghan government and the Taliban should uh, resume as soon as possible. Taliban, uh, surprisingly on its part, has indicated that it would want to continue the peace talks with the United States. Taliban's statement was, I quote, committed to continuing negotiations till the end if a political settlement is chosen instead of war, unquote. Now, Russia, which was having its own peace talks with the Taliban in parallel, welcomed the Taliban's stand. Russia's official statement was, I quote, we hope that the current pause will not undermine the long-term efforts of the two sides and the substantial progress achieved at the talks in Doha on a peace settlement in Afghanistan, unquote. Now, Afghani President uh, Ashraf Ghani has clarified that negotiations with the Taliban are impossible without a ceasefire. He further claimed that the Afghan government facilitated all conditions for peace, but the Taliban miscalculated and that Afghanistan will not be coerced. Ashraf Ghani now comes across as a man whose stand was vindicated. It was true that he was ready to hop on a plane on short notice with very few details to make something happen for his country. Now it is obvious that the Afghan presidential elections will now proceed as planned on September 28th, uh, Mohal as you indicated, and that Ashraf Ghani is a clear front runner in the polls right now. Yeah, I think okay. a lot of the candidates had suspended their uh, campaigning because they were not, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in Kabul regarding this uh, peace deal and when it would be announced. So many of the candidates have actually suspended their uh, uh, campaigning for the elections. And since now Ganesh, who should be the clear uh, front runner in the polls, uh, just be bust by the power of incumbency. <laughs> yeah, agreed. But uh, also the other way to look at it, uh, September would be the last uh, possible date by which uh, elections could be held. Uh, October onwards, the tough winter months uh, kick off and it would be impossible to physically conduct an election across the length and breadth of Afghanistan. So it was quite mm -hmm. obvious that either it would happen in September or it would have to be postponed 
till early spring in 2020. And I believe they have already been delayed once, right? They were supposed to be exactly. held in spring or early summer, if I'm not exactly. correct. If I'm not wrong, yeah. sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, that was the reaction of uh, the different uh, uh, stakeholders. But now let us look at it from an Indian angle. Uh, what has India's reaction been and how would India look at the entire development? India will have to review its Afghanistan policy to examine how it can play a role in sync with the U.S. interests. Demands for an Indian military role are likely to increase and must be resisted while keeping all other options open, including improving its relationship with the Taliban. So Kishore, here, uh, mm-hmm. like here, I think just wanted to add that uh, I think uh, Donald Trump made an off-the-cuff remark that India needs to be doing more, which was um, taken by many as a comment that India should put boots on the ground. But I think as you rightly say, and many strategic observers agree that we should be not putting any troops on the ground. It will just be counterproductive and just give an easy target for the uh, Pakistan-based uh, terrorist groups to attack Indian assets on the ground. Right, right. I mean, uh, Donald Trump is uh, known to make such off-the-cuff remarks. I remember how he had made a back-of-the-hand remark telling, why is India building all the libraries in Afghanistan when nobody is reading <laughs> any, any books there? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, Donald Trump's statements should not be taken at face value is all I would say right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, when it comes to improving its relationship with the Taliban, in, remember that India has never had an official contact with the Taliban. And India does not have a very good, uh, very good memories with uh, the Taliban, especially with the Kandahar episode and mm-hmm. the subsequent release of uh, jailed uh, terrorists and all that. So, yeah, the question now is, how can India engage more with other significant powers like Russia, China, and Iran on this vexed issue of reconciliation in Afghanistan. India must use its leverage of good relations with not only these big nations, but also with the Central Asian CIS or former Soviet republics, all of whom share a land border with uh, Afghanistan. All these states have a common interest in bringing peace across the region which has been elusive for decades. The downside from any flare-up in Afghanistan will have security implications for all its neighbors, where there can be a spillover impact across their borders into the neighboring states. Yeah, I think uh, in uh, Tajikistan and uh, Uzbekistan, the two neighboring states, there have been uh, incidents where uh, the terrorist groups have been operating across their borders and uh, creating uh, security headaches for these countries, uh, especially that these two neighbors to the north. Exactly, exactly. And uh, also, uh, historically, Taliban has been the weakest in the northern uh, northern parts of Afghanistan. So this mm-hmm. actually uh, increases the headache for the Afghan national government. So, uh, as I told uh, earlier, India does not recognize Taliban officially since they grabbed power in the mid-1990s. But since they will be a part of any future ruling dispensation in Kabul, 
weird governing in a joint capacity with the current government or a hostile takeover of the country, it makes sense to open a dialogue with them. There is not much to be lost in any way of an informal dialogue or whatever you want to refer to it by name. After all, if big powers like US, Russia and China have no hesitation talking to them, then there are brownie points to be earned by standing on your principle of having uh, then yeah of having no there are no 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 brownie points sorry <laughs> yeah 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 so uh, it would better suit india's interest to at least try to shape the future in your neighborhood even if your chances of influencing taliban are remote now one added advantage of uh, of talking to taliban and if you actually really uh, manage to uh, perform a miracle of convincing taliban is to distance Taliban uh, away from Pakistan, which will be an advantage for you in the long run. Now, Pakistan uh, won't have to worry about its western borders for the time being, and hence can continue to cause problems for India on its western borders. Afghan fighters and mercenaries will not head over to Jammu and Kashmir immediately, and that helps India gain a major reprieve albeit for a short duration of time. Remember, we have uh, covered the application of Article 370 and mm-hmm. the implications of, uh, uh, of the impending uh, US-Taliban peace deal in our previous uh, uh, episode 19. Episodes. Yeah, and uh, the current episode fits well with uh, uh, what happened in Jammu and Kashmir and how the Indian central government was uh, handling the situation there. So uh, our listeners can actually go back and listen to that episode as well. Now, uh, it is no secret that the route to peace in Afghanistan is through Pakistan. The world will have to exert pressure on Pakistan to renounce its support for terror and exercise their influence on the Taliban to finally bring peace to the region which has obviously been ravaged by decades of conflict. Whether Pakistan does change its behavior in Afghanistan or not uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, I think uh, this is the crucial point that Pakistan being in a precarious position, can the other powers exert Pakistan to uh, change its behavior? Because it's not only India and the US, but like as, as you mentioned, like neighbors like the Central uh, Asian republics, Russia, China, and Iran, which all have a vested interest in trying to bring peace to the region, but whether they can uh, convince Pakistan to do so remains to be seen. Also, like uh, Afghanistan is like very much different from the 90s. I mean, uh, it's like one of the youngest nations uh, in the world. Like it has a median age of 19 years, which is one of the lowest, excluding Africa, it's the youngest country in the world. And two thirds of its population is below the age of, is like 25 or below. So, uh, I mean, one of the slightly worrying aspects could be that, like maybe two thirds of the population has very little memory of the Taliban rule. So they might be a little bit uh, indifferent to whether Taliban would uh, be, be in power or not. But I guess uh, the support for it, the opinion polls show that the support for Taliban has been uh, very low to begin with. Right. And because you mentioned uh, uh, the low median age uh, 
of the general population, uh, these people are actually uh, fed up with the continuous uh, violence that is being observed in the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one one uh, famous uh, quote in the recent uh, past of uh, one week was how uh, U.S. reacted to uh, just the death of one soldier uh, and uh, managed to call off the negotiations. But the Afghanistans themselves, Afghanistanis themselves, had no say in uh, uh, the entire uh, uh, peace nego- negotiations. Now, uh, the, again, the quotas, your 9-11 is actually our 24-bar-7. It kind of <laughs> is a very profound statement, uh, kind of implying that uh, we are the ones who are suffering uh, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we would want to have a greater say in uh, how we want to shape a peaceful uh, mm-hmm. Afghanistan mm-hmm. in the long run. Yeah, I mean, the, the as I said, the population is very young, so there's also highly connected. I mean, still, Afghanistan is a rural country by any definition, but from like being 90% rural, it's down to 75%. And uh, I saw some estimates that by within the next 30 years or by 2050, like half the population will be living in cities. So it's quite a bit of a modern crowd, which is in Afghanistan, which is well connected and more informed than previously. So we hope that uh, things take a better turn than what it did, like probably like 30 years uh, previously to now. I think that's where the Indian uh, uh, response comes in. So uh, we have done a lot of uh, assistance work in uh, Afghanistan, including I believe like two, two or three billion work uh, uh, of assistance. So I mean, but there's always a constant craving. What you hear from the Afghanistan is is to uh, India to participate more in not only the reconstruction effort but also in the reconciliation efforts. And also provide like more military assistance to have the Ashraf Ghani government like uh, tackle the the insurgent groups. But I don't know about the military assistance, especially when we are at a delicate position in terms of intra-Afghan uh, rapprochement. But yeah, I guess uh, we need to at least have, be more proactive than what we were like 30 years ago especially as our position has improved vis-a-vis the world over the last three decades. Okay, folks. uh, So uh, that's all we had on this episode. Uh, Now, listeners, if you are listening to our episode for the first time, each episode we recommend to you any book, article, or uh, read we we feel might interest you. So keeping the practice going, uh, Kishore, what's your recommendation for this week? Uh, yeah, when we were researching for uh, this episode, I found that uh, the website uh, SNI Wire uh, actually has quite a few good uh, interviews of uh, ex-Indian ambassadors to Afghanistan. Uh, all these interviews conducted by uh, journalists uh, and uh, editor at uh, SNI, uh, Amitabh Devi. So I would recommend uh, that people can actually go and watch those interviews. Uh, it gives a, it gives a, a good insight into how uh, India actually is keenly uh, watching uh, the developments and what India expects 
out of uh, Indo-Afghan uh, bilateral relations. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mohan, what would your recommendation be? Uh, my recommendation is like, uh, again, like, as you said, like one of the former ambassador, Gautam Mukhopadhyay, like he had a, a very good article on the collapse of the peace deal and what's the way forward and what should India do uh, in the near term in terms of Afghanistan. So that dear listener wraps up today's episode where we covered in detail the collapse of the Afghanistan peace talks uh, and its implications for the entire region and India. So to continue hearing about such interesting topics, uh, do subscribe to our channel, India Rising, wherever you are listening to us. Uh, if you have not left us a review, we urge you to do so as it, it, is, as it helps other listeners like you in finding us. We would also like to hear from you if you have any suggestions on any topics that you would like us to cover. Uh, please do remember that these topics should be directly related to Indian foreign policy. Uh, this is uh, Mohalen Kishore signing off. Uh-huh.